0: From Mount Pleasant, Utah, this is the Sampete Horse Training Podcast. Sampete Horse Training's mission statement is simple to send home a respectful, well rounded, and well broke horse that can handle a variety of situations. This is Eric Dent from Sampete Horse Training. Today we're going to spend our time for this podcast talking about some comments and questions that we received from one of our listeners. This individual contacted us on Instagram and uh, he had some questions about getting ha- a couple Mustangs haltered, how to how to catch them and, and kind of deal with them from very first dumping them off into a round pen until you've got a halter on them and you can handle them um, at that point. And it sounded like from these posts that, that the horses actually came with halters on, um, which we don't really like to do. It's, it's certainly possible to do. Um, with the halters on, but we prefer not to have that because then we don't have a lead line being drug around and the horse is getting kind of desensitized, to stepping on the rope and having their their face jerked, as well as just kind of a safety thing. We typically don't do that um, because we don't want the halter getting hung up somewhere. And also, it, you, you pretty much have to go through the whole same motions anyway of getting the halter on and off, um, they have to learn how to have you up around that area. And so to us, it's just kind of redundant really to already have it on there. So. Uh, maybe a couple differences in the way that we approach it versus having one on. But uh, here is what was asked or the, or the comments that were made. Um, he says here, I think that, that my horses uh, have both, both have very big bubbles. Uh, today, this is a, a little while ago, he's able to pick up one of their lead lines. Um, so I'm assuming got close enough to them to be able to actually you know, pick up the, the lead rope. And the other, the other one he had to rope again to get close enough to grab his lead line. And he wanted to know, are there any helpful hints for getting closer and not having them bolt as much? Or is it really just a matter of time and patience? So um, I really think that, you know, personally from, a, from training a Mustang standpoint, the, the point at which you dump them off into your round pen until the point that you have a halter on them is probably the hardest part of the whole process and is probably the part that takes the most skill. And so um, I can still remember the first time I ever tried this and and it's not as easy as a lot of people make it look once they've got some experience with it. And so um, I can certainly understand the frustration um, and I can certainly understand not having a real easy time at getting uh, close to them. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it you know they got a 12, 14, 16 foot lead rope on them and you still can't get close enough even to touch them. And that shows just how flighty they really are. So I want to go through some of the process of how we accomplish this where we go from dumping them off into the round pen out of the horse trailer to the point where we have the halter on. So first of all, wild horses are totally different with regard to this than any domestic colt. And it has a lot to do with the fact that they are just very, very worried about any sort of person or object or anything that's moving that is close to them. And so one of the big differences is that you can't usually get very close to them. And that's where roping them makes such a big difference. And so, uh, but before we do that, we always round pin them. There's a lot of opinions out there on how to round pin, but at the bottom, at the end of the day, basically you're trying to get the cult to face you. I think that's the single most important thing is getting them to where they know that the rest is facing you instead of turning their butt towards you and wanting to get away. And so we basically push them off to the left and you know to the right. And when we get them to, to turn, um, we always want them to face us when they turn the opposite direction. We don't ever want them to turn their head towards the round pen fence the panels on the round pen because that is basically trying to get away from us we want them to come towards us okay so that's a very key item and invariably what ends up happening is you round pen them for a while and then at some point they are thinking what happens if I just look at them and it's a very subtle thing very subtle sometimes it's just they barely tilt their nose towards you or they barely kind of cock that ear one direction or they barely start to look at you And when that happens, you got to stop. Just stop and walk away because that lets them know that the release comes when they're looking at facing and eventually following the human. So that's a very, very key thing. And you have to really be watching for very subtle signs because most wild horses will not give you much to begin with. And so you've got to really look for that little tiny effort on their part and then back away when they do it. And so this will go on several dozen times, um, and you're getting them to to turn towards you, go the opposite direction, um, and if they try to turn their butt towards you, you really kind of cut them off and force them off the other way, so that they're they know that that's not the answer. Okay. So once you've got them consistently looking at you, um, then that's when we introduce the lariat to the whole scenario. And there's a lot of ways to do this. We we basically just rope them. Um, there, there's a you know some different trainers out there that advocate kind of wrapping it around their neck and things like that and I, and I suppose that's one way of doing it but really at the end of the day for us we're, we're starting these colts usually um, with the intent of working as long as it takes to get the halter on them which usually is five or six hours at the most and probably one and a half to three hours at the least and so we just rope them we kind of commit to that and then basically go from there so to rope them basically head them off one direction i'm right handed so i have a tendency to push them to the left and then basically just rope them over their um, over their head and neck area Um, and then once you've got the rope on that's when everything starts to change so now you've got something connected to the horse that allows you to have some control over the direction that they're going now some people, including myself, when I first started doing this, maybe thought, maybe thought or think that you can physically pull them towards you. And, and that's probably true for some people. You know, bigger, bigger people with smaller horse, I suppose that's possible. But it's not really the point. You know, roping them is not for us to physically pull them towards us. It's more so that we can keep them from leaving us. And I think that's a very important distinction okay so basically what we do is we're, we're using the rope to keep their head facing us so that we can then teach them to disengage their hindquarters if we can get them yielding their hindquarters and, and stepping across that kind of takes all the power out of them being able to run away from us and so what we do is we lean in look at their their hindquarters use the the coil of the lariat to kind of put a little pressure on their on their rear end, and then as soon as they take a step across, then we stop, release that pressure, allow them to think about that. If they try to run off, you pull on the lariat that's around their neck to pull them back towards you at the same time that you're trying to yield their hindquarters. As soon as they step across you, then you release that pressure. And that release is super, super important. You gotta You gotta give them that break because that's how they're learning that it's okay to face you. And uh, I would say that the average coat would probably do this several hundred times before we ever even start to try to approach them. And I think that's very, very important to remember. You're not trying to physically pull them towards you and, and, uh, and work on trying to pull them into where you can get them close enough to actually halter. Instead, what you're doing is you're kind of driving their rear end away so that they'll face you, which then allows you to have that contact mentally with them. So basically, um, we get them yielding their hindquarters, and this is a very subtle thing at first, very, very small steps, just even a suggestion that they want to yield those hindquarters You release the pressure. Do it over and over and over again until you're getting them to face you while you yield their hindquarters 360 degrees. And then what we typically like to do after we do that is we start getting them to lead and when I say lead, I'm, you don't, don't think of a horse on a halt, they're just following you. I'm talking one single step towards you is all you're after. So you'll y- yield their hindquarters and then kind of start to walk away from them. As you do that, if they will take even one step towards you, you stop and release any pressure that you're putting on them. Because that's what you want them to learn is for them to actually take a step towards you. Okay so this takes quite a while this this part of the process really does take some time to to develop in a horse especially the the real super wild ones because they don't really want to be close to you and following you is a is a big kind of no-no that mother nature's telling them no don't go do don't, don't go near that person that you know that predator so to speak okay so you'll typically just get a handful of steps and that's a a good start I'm not a big fan of trying to get them to follow me, you know, 10, 15, 20 steps. I mean, that just take forever. To me, it's, it's more about getting them comfortable enough to come forward a little bit so that then they're not backing up as you're trying to catch them. But disengaging the hindquarters is super, super important. Otherwise, they try to run off on you. Now, there's one thing that I'll point out with this that I've seen in several instances where people have not been able to get to the point where they'll lead. Or if they do get them to where they're leading, they're not able to approach them. And I've seen this happen on several colts. And I've seen it happen with, with several new trainers that don't have a lot of experience. And what's happening is the horse is, is uh, picking an eye to put you on. And what they'll typically do is they'll put you on one eye. And even in the Mustangs, it's kind of weird that they'll almost always pick the left eye. And I kind of wonder if that's because that's the side they've been handled on when they're in the shoot. Um, you know, being branded and being vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. All the BLM shoots basically have the left side open and the brand is always on the left side of the neck. And so even though they haven't been handled a whole lot, our experience has been that they're just like a domestic culled and, and that they probably are a little bit more left sided. They want you on their left eye, not so much on their right eye. Now, having said that, it can occur on either side. But what they'll do is they'll try to put you on one eye, and they will at all costs try to avoid having you on the other eye. When that happens, you got to fix that very quickly, and sometimes that means driving them off the opposite direction, round penning them with the lead rope or the lariat around their neck. So every time they try to put you on their left eye, you drive them off to the right, so that you're by default you are you have to be on their right eye. Um, and this is a step that is very, very important. Not every horse will do this, but the ones that do do it, especially those that do it dramatically, you will never have success catching them very quickly if you don't fix this problem right from the very beginning. And so um, one of the colts that we're working with right now, this little bay gilding, um, he's a two-year-old Mustang that we've had for a couple weeks now. He was horrible at this. He wanted this on his left eye and wanted nothing to do with this on his right eye. We had another horse last year that did the same thing and it's very common and it's something if you don't recognize it very quickly and fix it that you'll be constantly fighting them um, because they want to just keep you on that left side or, or on the right side either one. So drive them off the opposite direction. Make them look at you through the opposite eye. This will go a long ways to getting their hindquarters yielded properly and it will also make it so that as you start trying to approach them. When they see something out of that you know that bad eye, so to speak, they're not gonna freak out and run off. Okay, so as we're yielding the hindquarters, if they try to leave, we pull their head back towards us. As soon as they yield their hindquarters, we release that pressure. Um, I'm certainly not afraid to pull pretty hard if I need to, but do be careful because you can cut off their air. And as soon as you cut off their air, they're not thinking about you, they're thinking about breathing. And so you wanna make sure that as they leave you, you pull and then release for a second pull again, release for a second. That way they're not, you know, struggling for air or trying to pass out on you. You just got to pull, release pull pull release, but generally you're keeping pressure there until they until they yield their hindquarters. Okay? So, once you've got them taking a step or two forward, that's when we go in and we start to introduce a little bit of pressure towards them to get them desensitized towards us approaching them. Okay? And so the way that we do this is we use a stick They're about a four foot long just regular old training stick Um, and we use these um, as basically a way to just desensitize or or approach the horse. We use a stick because we don't want to get struck. That's the bottom line. It's a safety thing for us. Um, And so the stick sometimes as you approach them with this you might only be able to get the tip of the stick within 10 feet of their nose to begin with Um, and you got to kind of pick that point where the horse is okay with it, desensitize them there by moving it back and forth until they they relax, and then you pull that away, and then you go and you you push them a little bit more so they come a little closer and then a little closer and a little closer. And this, per, this uh, part of the process takes probably anywhere from about 10 to 60 minutes. And um, so it does take some time for that to occur. So once we get them desensitized to the stick kind of in the space around their face, then we start to do the first touch with the stick. And every horse is a little different on where they're handled this. The one that, we, that I just worked with this past week, um, I actually touched him first on his neck because he was more comfortable with that than he was on the nose or the, you know, kind of the forehead area. But I've had others where touching them on the forehead is best or under the chin. You kind of just have to experiment with it and wherever they accept it first, you start there and then you move to different places. So this is where it really starts to go a little quicker in that you can start to not have a true release of pressure where you pull all the pressure away from them. Instead, what you're doing is you're putting pressure on the area that they don't like. So say, for example, they are okay with you touching the side of their neck, but they don't want it up on their jaw. Well, you can touch their neck, go to their jaw. That's when they start wanting to leave and everything. As soon as they start to relax, you go back to their neck and then rub their neck. So you're kind of desensitizing their neck even more, but what you're doing is you're using the neck as the release point, not taking it all the way away from them. And this is, if you can do this, it really increases the efficiency of it a lot because you're not actually pulling the the pressure all the way away. You're just taking the pressure back to some place that they're somewhat comfortable with. And the more that you touch those areas, the more that they get uh, comfortable overall. So let's say, for example, the horse's neck is fine, but they don't want you to touch the jaw. So you touch the jaw, as soon as they relax, you go back to the neck. Then you touch the jaw, as soon as they relax, you go back to the neck. Eventually you go to the jaw, and then they're okay with you being at the jaw. So then you go up on the, the front of their forehead. They don't like that. So then you touch that until they relax, then you go back to their jaw. Then you go back to the forehead, touch that until they relax, then you go back to their jaw. And you can use this over and over and over again as a way to basically continually desensitize them, even though you're releasing from one point to the next. Okay. So this is a really important thing for efficiency and it really just gets them used to being up there so then once you get to where you can touch them all over with the stick and you're still yielding their hindquarters quite a bit then we get up and start to do an actual you know touch them on their body most of the time this first touch with your hand is going to be their nose and the way that we do this is we go up and and this is even true the stick if they approach you with with that kind of lean their nose out and want to try to touch the stick sort of a thing or touch your your hand, then you pull, pull your hand or the stick away. That's releasing that pressure as they're investigating and it builds their confidence. And so, especially with your hand, you know, go up to their nose, let them sniff it, come right back. As soon as they do that, kind of arch their neck out, try to investigate your hand, you pull your hand away. That's the release of pressure. And then you basically just do the same thing as what you did with the stick you go up their nose or wherever they're comfortable with then you go to the areas that they're not comfortable touch those until they relax come back to the areas that they are comfortable keeping in mind that anytime they try to bolt away from you you immediately pull on their head yield their hindquarters and go right back to it if you release it when they try to bolt then you're teaching them to bolt because they learn from whenever you're taking that pressure away whatever they were doing right before that they think that's the right answer okay and so that's really important to just make sure that you are paying attention to not releasing the pressure unless they're actually doing something good, and that's a very very important thing. Okay, so this this uh, listener, you know, had had put in the in the end of his comment, um, he says, "Or is it really just a matter of time and patience?" And the answer to that is no. It's not just a matter of time of time and patience. It is a matter of pressure and release and certainly there needs to be some you know patience there and it's going to take you some time but um, you could do this for days and days and days and days and days and they never let you close to them because you're releasing at the wrong point so you got to make sure that you never release that pressure unless they're actually doing something that's good wherever the point is that you're at in the training sometimes that's just simply looking at you or sometimes that's even wanting to turn into you when you're around and sometimes that's um, you know You've already touched their neck and now you're trying to touch their jaw and so you're not going to release that pressure until they relax when you're touching their jaw and so it's really a matter of releasing the pressure when they did something better than what they have done before and that's what leads to the efficiency of all this okay Um, once i get to the point where i'm touching them pretty consistent with my with my hands that's when i usually do a half hitch over their nose with the lariat that way i've got just a little bit more control if they go to leave me i've got I've got their nose instead of their instead of their neck um, and i basically have just a little more control over that now you have to be careful with this because if you get it down too low it can kind of cut off their air flow through their nostrils but if you can get it up a little higher it really does work well just to kind of get a little bit more control there okay and then it's all about desensitizing okay um and so that makes a a big 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 difference is when you can get in there and get their head kind of turned around okay all right so we had a little bit of a a a conversation with this individual we sent back some ideas to him and and then this was the response back um he says he says i'm going to work on yielding the hindquarters tomorrow and um he says here he says that uh, both of these horses face him and focus for a while and he has touched both of their heads with his hands but it still takes a good amount of time for them to be willing to relax um, and so i guess what i would say to that is that if you're able to touch them and they're taking a long time to relax my, my impression based off of that little bit of a of a description is that you're probably looking for a little bit too much relaxation okay So in other words, um, you know, maybe the horse uh, lets you touch their face, but they're real jittery and wanting to move away from you and all that kind of a thing. And you want them to stand there and let you pet them for for 15 seconds or whatever, okay? So I would would take my um, expectations down by quite a bit in that situation. So maybe I can touch their face, but they're just kind of all over the place. Well, what am I looking for? I'm looking for them to let me touch them and then they don't take their face away from me instead they hold it there for for a half a second without moving it away from me then i release the pressure okay because they're going to learn from that just that one little tiny interaction so don't get too don't don't expect too much i guess is what i'm trying to say you want to make sure that when you're doing this you're looking for a very 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 small incremental change in their attitude so maybe at first they you go to touch their head and they're putting their nose up in the air. Well, one time you go to touch their head and they reach it towards you like they're going to investigate it and you pull your hand away, okay, instead of trying to get up there and touch it for three seconds or whatever. So I guess what I'm trying to say is don't expect too much too quickly because that's where you're not really going to progress very quickly in what they're learning. So just make sure that as you go along the, in, through this process that – you're not asking for too much relaxation. You're asking for relaxation that is very minimal, relaxation that is very short-lived, relaxation that is a little better than what they have done in the past. And when I say a little, I mean just a little, okay? And then pull that pressure back away from them, then go right back at it again. So um, there's a saying by by a trainer out there that says that, um, Horses don't learn from the pressure that you're putting on them. They learn when you take that pressure away from them. And this has been recognized for many, many years by many, many different trainers. It's kind of a staple of horse training. And so if you notice even the tiniest bit of relaxation or the tiniest bit of them tolerating you more touching them or the tiniest bit of not being as flighty, that's when you pull that that pressure away and and then build on that expect just a little more the next time and then just a little more the next time and a little more the next time. Those releases make a big difference. It would be interesting to put a counter on a horse of every time the pressure is released in their mind and dump them off in the round pen out of your horse trailer and then have that counter running while you're working with them up until you get the knot tied on the, the halter, you know, which is, you know, quote unquote success. How many times do you think there would be a release of pressure on that horse's mind? Well, I would argue that if it's being done right, there's probably, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know, probably probably between three to 8,000 releases of pressure during that time. And so there's gotta be a real cognizant um, awareness uh, on the trainer's part to be looking for places to release that pressure. If you're only releasing the pressure you know, say 20 times a day, uh, you're drastically under releasing, you know, you you need to be doing more like, you know, three or 4000 in a day, because those horses um, are going to recognize each one of those little releases. This is something that took me a long time to learn, I'd put too much pressure on them. I I feel like, you know, uh, some of our trainers, like, like Anna, that's been on this podcast, her tendency is to not put enough pressure on horses. My my tendency is the opposite. I put too much pressure on horses. Okay, um, but you know I, it took me a long time to learn that. Hey, I need to I need to kind of scale this back just a little bit and not expect the horse to have quite the same degree of um, progress as a domestic cult. I need to I need to look for teeny little victories. I mean, just teeny little victories, and then release the pressure. You know, instead of looking for real big stuff. Um, I think that I have a tendency to go in there and be like, you're going to let me touch your ear, you know, and instead of being like, okay, you're going to let me go forward by a half an inch over what I did last time. And then I'm going to release the pressure. Um, and then do that 500 times before I touch the ear. That's kind of what it takes to get to that point. Okay. So, um, and so the next part, uh, that, that this individual said was that, uh, that he got this one of these horses to yield his hindquarters pretty easily. And he said he's really, really focused on him. The horse is focused on him and then just faces him whenever he stops. Okay. But then the problem is it's, it's just a matter of approaching him. As soon as he starts to approach him, he backs up and backs up and backs up um, until he feels trapped. Okay. And then he says here, I always give him a big escape route, but he still comes to a breaking point and then he bolts um he says he worked his hands down his neck today but he did have a little bit of pressure on his halter so that may have been the reason that he didn't bolt okay so um so if you can just kind of envision in your mind's eye what's happening here basically he can get up to the horse so the approaching of the horse is not the bad part he can even touch the horse okay but then as soon as soon as he gets to where he starts to come further into that horse's space it's like the horse just all of a sudden can't tolerate that and starts to starts to bolt. Okay, so this is exactly what I was just talking about in that the amount of advancement that you're doing is likely too dramatic all at once. Okay, so for example, if the horse is bolting when you go from six feet in front of his face to um, you know to five feet in front of his face, then maybe you need to go from six feet in front of his face to five feet nine inches in front of his face. <laughs> and then when he's okay with that, release the pressure. Okay, Maybe you can go up and touch him, but then if you touch the side of his neck, he's fine, but then as soon as you start to work up over his withers, then he bolts. Okay, So what you do in that case is, instead of going from the neck to the withers, you go from the neck to two inches towards the withers. Then if he's okay, you go ahead and release the pressure back to the neck. Then you go two and a half inches towards the withers, release back to the neck, three inches towards the withers, release back to the neck don't just go straight to the withers so I don't know exactly what um, you know the the instance was that was creating the horse bolting but what this sounds like to me is that the horse feels the pressure and so then he's like I'm out of here he's not comfortable with that amount of pressure so you need to scale back the amount of pressure that you're putting on them which then makes a difference as to what the horse can tolerate okay now this is a bit of a a give-and-take you've got to put enough pressure on them to where they're actually learning but not so much pressure to where they're like, I'm gone. Okay. You gotta kind of find that balance. You gotta be pushing them, but you can't be going pushing them too hard. And this is part of what experience really teaches you over time is how much pressure can I put on this horse? The other thing I'll say about this is if they get in the habit of learning to, to bolt, that can be kind of hard to fix. So really try hard to not allow this to happen in the first place. Um the other part of this bolting thing is potentially, and I don't know if this is the scenario here, but, but potentially could be the one-sidedness. So if you've got a horse that's okay with you on their left side, but then as soon as you go to the right side, they want to bolt, then that's a matter of going and picking a different place to start on that side than what you have on the op- opposite side. And sometimes this is really dramatic. You can go up and touch them on the left side, but you can't get within six feet of them on the right side. And so on that right side, you got to pick a different place. You might be six feet from their face desensitizing the space around them and then releasing the pressure, whereas when you're on the left side, all of a sudden you're like up there touching them. And you got to be able to recognize that. Horses really are a totally different animal on the opposite side of their body. And there's always major, major, major examples of this um, throughout the training process, not just in this scenario of trying to catch them. Uh, but there are instances for sure where that where it pops up in this case so it could be that um, you're having problems getting close to them on the one side but not on the other and they're bolting on the one side and so kind of pay attention to that as well okay so once i get to the point where i'm consistently able to touch them then it's a matter of desensitizing this is where a lot of trainers go wrong they start they get to the point where they can touch them pretty well, and then they just try to slam the halter on them. But, but when you get to the point where you can touch them pretty consistently, you still got at least a good half an hour, 45 minutes in most cases, before you're going to get the halter on. You might be able to get it on, but they're not really learning from it. So this is where you've got to work your way up to the point of putting the halter on. Okay, So you got to be able to touch over the bridge of their nose. you got to be able to touch underneath their jaw. you got to be able to touch on the right side of their right ear. Because that's where the you know the halter is going to come up around that side. You got to be able to touch on the left side of their left ear. You got to be able to touch behind their ears, between their ears. You got to be able to touch their forehead. You got to be able to get a, di- a bunch of different places, and it really again, it's just approach and retreat, back and forth, back and forth, to be able to get this done. Then you've got to introduce the halter. Don't just try to put the halter on. The halter is actually something that they have to get used to as well, because it's something new. So you gotta introduce the halter by going back to a different place. Don't assume just because you can touch them with your hand that you can touch them with the halter. That's a big no-no because the halter's totally different to them. They're not okay with that. I've even had horses that are okay with me touching them with their, with my right hand, but not with my left hand. So you've got to be able to desensitize them to whatever it is that's new that you're, that you're expecting them to let um, you touch them with, okay? So you go back to a new point of origin with the halter which may be way up in front of them desensitize them to that work your way up work to where you can touch them work to work to where you can touch them everywhere that you could have touched them with your hands doing tons and tons of pressure and release and then eventually you'll get the halter on them a lot of times the motion of putting your hand up underneath their neck or over the top of their neck is a big thing that they have a problem with so you got to work on desensitizing them to that desensitize them until a halter on both sides of their face and then you got to go ahead and get that up and um, around and on them once you have the halter on them one of the first things we do is we let the horse know that all of a sudden we can get them stopped this is where if they bolt which we actually kind of almost push them into doing this kind of drive them off then we jerk their face back towards us so that they know oh oh, this means something different. You can't physically do this with the lariat um, very well because you're down on their neck and you don't have as much leverage. But when you got a halter on their face, all of a sudden everything changes. And so what we do is we kind of drive them off and then we jerk them back towards us. And basically what we're saying to them is, you know, we're kind of firmly but politely saying, hey buddy, you try to leave me, I can get you stopped now. uh, you know you might weigh 1200 pounds and i might be 150 but i'm still going to get you stopped because with the halter i've got a different tool that's all going to allow that to happen and some horses this takes a little bit of, of uh, force to make this happen and others not as much but you want to really surprise them like drive them off and jerk them towards you and get them to yield their hindquarters to where they're facing directly towards you with their butt directly away from you and we do this 15 20 30 50 times somewhere in there you know and and basically they start to, when you start to try to drive them off, they say, no, I'm not gonna do that. Because every time, every time you try to drive them off, they just get their face you know, jerked back towards you. And they start to realize that leaving is no longer good. Okay, and this process, it really doesn't take very long, maybe five minutes of doing this. Um, and basically they just start to learn that all of a sudden the halter means something different than what the lariat means. And then once you get them to this stage, it's just right on to whatever exercises you want to train them to do. You know, teach them to lunge, teach them to yield their hindquarters, um, teach them to back, teach them to lead, whatever your your favorite thing is. And you know, and there's a lot of different opinions out there out there on how to do this. But the bottom line is, once you got a halter on them, you you just start training them. Um, and if they try to bolt on you, you make them you make it very clear to them that it, they can't do that. Um, that One of the worst habits that a horse could ever get into is to know that they can hit the end of the halter and blow through that and pull the lead rope out of your hands. Because once they figure that out, they get an immediate release because you're trying to catch them and, you know, they, they're just over there by themselves. So they're getting a release and they're, they're thinking that that's the answer. Oh, i just pull this out of their hands. Um, we saw, we've actually had two horses over the years do this, one domestic colt and one wild horse. And it took a long time to fix both of them, both of their problems. Um, And so I hope that this hasn't happened to this individual. Um, But if it has, then you need to go back to being very aggressive at pulling their head around to make sure that they know that that's no longer an option. Like they can't just run through that halter. Okay, Um, It's one thing if they, you know run through the the lariat you got 50 foot of lariat that you can keep the pressure on and then eventually get in there yield their hindquarters and then release the pressure But if you got a 15 foot lead rope when they run there and they jerk it out of your hands you're you're not connected to them anymore and so the pressure is gone and they're learning from that and so do whatever you have to do to get their head turned around and get them yielding their hindquarters away from you so so that's a little bit about the way that we approach this. I think if I have any advice for anybody out there listening that wants to work with, with uh, trying to catch a wild horse, the number one thing that is going to make the biggest difference is making sure that you're not expecting too much all at once. You've got to go in with a little bit of pressure, wait till they do what you want them to do, and then release that pressure. And it's, it's a, thousands of releases to be able to get to where you want to be as far as catching them. Don't be too wimpy about this. You, 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 you got to put a little bit of pressure on them to get them to where they progress. I've seen a lot of people out there that take days and, days and days and days and days and days to catch a wild horse because they're not putting enough pressure on them. But equal to that, I see just as many cases where people are t- putting too much pressure on them and they can't catch them. You got to find that balance. And my opinion is it should never take longer than six hours. I've just never seen one that should take longer than six hours. And we've trained some horses that are, you know, up to 13 years of age. They were gathered a month or two before we picked them up. And they've had their whole life to be wild. And we still had them caught within no less or no more than six hours. So it's very possible to do that. So um, if you have any questions about about your experience with this or comments, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram account through a direct message. Or you can email us at uh, info at or you can even text us at 435-462-1311. We're happy to kind of help you troubleshoot and, and get through some of these, uh, these things that can help you out um, in being able to catch them a little quicker. Just as a quick reminder, we do have our Buy Mustang program. And, and honestly, if, it, if people wanted something other than a Mustang, that'd be fine too. But the point is, is, is we basically take a, a horse that, that is totally green and we train them for six to 12 months, and then you get a horse that is incredibly well-broke. Just very, 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 very well-broke horse. Um, the area that we're in in Utah is right smack dab in the middle of the state, and we have mountain ranges all around us. We live in a rural town of about 3,000 people, and so these horses get the opportunity to be worked in the round pen, in the arena, a couple different arenas, um, and then they are ridden around town, um, so they're exposed to everything that that happens in kind of a kind of a small town environment. You know, traffic and dogs and garbage cans and all the stuff that the horses think is going to eat them. <laughs> and then we have uh, several highways that uh, are around us, just two-lane highways where people are driving 70, 75 miles an hour with big barrow pits on each side of them. Uh, we ride in those locations a lot to get horses used to traffic. Um, then we've got miles of dirt roads all around us. So we just Point them down the dirt roads, and that's where we get a lot of our loping miles on these horses. And then we got some foothills, uh, basically juniper and sagebrush hills all around us, and then also the mountain uh, trails as well, and, and even just kind of cross-countrying up on the mountain. The mountain where we're at is about 10,000 feet and a lot of really steep terrain. It's called the Manti-LaSalle National Forest. It's a, it's a federal government-owned national forest land that we ride horses on all the time. Um, and so these horses, they go home having experienced a lot of stuff. They've been trailered a lot of miles. They've been tied up a lot. They've been trailered with other horses. They've been in all these locations that I just mentioned. Um, and honestly, I think this is an amazing bargain. We're Right now, as, as of uh, October 25th, we're charging $6,500 for these horses. Um, And they're basically getting between 6 to 12 months of training. So you do the math on that. We're probably making less on these than we are on some of the other horses we're training for other clients. But, um, you know, sometime down the road we'll probably be increasing the price on these. But as of right now, that's what we're charging. And they are just amazingly well-broke horses by the time they go home and have a really good handle on them. And they've had a lot of miles on them. They've been um, shod several times. They've been in the trailer several times. They just, they've just they just had lots and lots of experiences. So if you're interested in that, go on over to sandpeethorse.com and take a look at our website um, under the Horses for Sale page. It has some information under that uh, Buy a Mustang program. And also, if you go to our store, you can actually purchase the horse on the store. Um, at the very bottom of the, the text that explains that, you know that item in the store there's a link that says click here and it's got all of the information that's very specific to this program so what hap- happens if your horse dies while it's in the program you know what what happens if the horse gets hurt you know um, what what is the veterinary gonna care going to be like what what does it include farrier work uh, teeth floats all that kind of a thing so we think we got a pretty good unique program here um, as many of you probably know I am a veterinarian and I am the primary shareholder in a veterinary clinic that's on the same property as the uh, the horse training company that we have here and so we do have veterinary oversight of these horses that we're training um, we've got uh, three of us veterinarians here currently and these horses are taken very well care uh, very good care of um, while they're here we update their vaccines we float their teeth we do uh, we do keep them shod um, so that uh, their feet are in good condition and we have them on a good feeding program with a good mix of grass and alfalfa hay as well as a, a, a horse conditioner type of a, a feed when they need that to maintain weight. So um, very, very unique program in, in the sense that it's it's more than just buying a horse. It's getting a very, very well-trained horse, but also having uh, the peace of mind of having them at a location where they've got veterinary o- oversight as well. So please give us a call or email us or text us or, or contact us on Instagram if you have any questions about the program. Um, you can purchase the horse online if you, if you choose to do so, and um, we'll have it uh, ready within six to 12 months. So hope you have enjoyed the information in this podcast, and don't hesitate to contact us with any questions. Talk to you another time.